0: Hey guys, Brian Barcelona here. Had the opportunity and honor to share an upper room about praise and what that looks like from the Old Testament and how we live that out now. Also, if you are listening to this podcast, Gen Z for Jesus is happening September 9th in Los Angeles from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. at Angeles Temple. Register for free at Gen Z for Jesus.com. I love being with family and I want to preach um, this morning something that I believe is key for youth in Los Angeles, youth in Dallas. But before I do that, I just wanna publicly acknowledge and say on the record that I believe our nation is in a spiritual awakening right now. One person believes that, praise God. Over decades, we've witnessed moves of God. I wanna honor a few of those today. I wanna honor YWAM, which has seen millions of missionaries sent since 1960. I want to honor the call, which was led by Lou Engle, who filled stadiums, believing for the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and Roe is no more. I want to acknowledge the Send, which has been one of the greatest activation pieces of this generation. I want to acknowledge CFan, which has seen 77 million come to Christ. Now, this is not hands raised. This is decision cards plugged into a local church. I want to acknowledge Asbury where thousands descended upon a university with no lights, smoke machines, cool preachers, and no fancy bands, okay? And I want to acknowledge another move of God that is happening right now on the earth called Upper Room. Upper Room has given hundreds of thousands of people around the world permission to worship morning, noon, and night. I believe years from now it'll be said of Upper Room that they held the line of praise That they fought the temptation to just become another ministry. Let it never be said of upper room that you calm down with age. (laughs) That you calm down with success. Or even fear of being too in love with Jesus. And I want to share briefly on this key that I believe is important for this next generation. It's called praise. Praise. I know we all have different meanings of this word based on the denomination you come from or experiences you had. I want to encourage you this morning that you would lay down your experiences and not build theology on them. You cannot build theology on experiences. You will build a crooked house, I promise. It'll lead you down the wrong path. And I want to do two things this morning. Number one is I want to set the stage for praise. Remember this, our opinions cease at the altar of his word, okay? Okay? So whatever opinion you came in here with about praise, we're going to let it cease according to his word. We're going to read some Bible at the end of here. And the second thing we're going to do is we're actually going to read, we're actually going to act this out. We're going to praise this morning. But before we do, I want to share why it is so vital. Why praise is so key for the next generation. And why we have the privilege to teach the next generation how to praise. It was March 22nd. I was standing right in the back where Excel, raise your hand, Excel, right in the back where Excel is, March 22nd. I was in the prayer room when all of a sudden I get a text message from my sister. Most of you might have heard the story of my sister, the one that turned from a lifestyle of drinking, of drugs, the one that came to Christ. Thousands have heard my sister's testimony. I was standing in the back there and I get this text message from her because my sister had found herself in a place she probably never thought she would be. And I want to read you that text message, if that's okay. March 22nd, 1.42 p.m. Hey, brother, it's Zelia. I need help. I need rehab. said, hey, Z, miss you, love you. Let's do it. Praying for you. Please let me know some places and what to do. I need it. My face is the worst beat it's ever been. I'm tired of these drugs. I'm sick of every day throwing up. Every day because of these pills. Miss and love you more. Thank you. In this room, see, my sister had found herself at a place where she'd been put on fentanyl. And she was being sold in California. She was being human trafficked. Even to the point where the person doing it had his name tattooed on her forehead. Never forget when she showed up. Saturday, March 25th. We brought her to DFW. I showed up at the airport. Her face black and blue. I remember her on the phone saying, he would not stop hitting me. He would not stop hitting me. And for the next five days, my sister would detox on that couch in our living room. You know, in those moments, the gospel becomes more real than it ever has. In those moments, you start realizing that praise looks different when you don't have a band. It looks different when you don't have a pastor encouraging you in your room. It looks different when you don't have a local body that is immediately around you. And it also looks different when you have to praise for someone that cannot do it themselves. I remember she tells Marcel and I, she's kind of sharing all that happened. She says this, she's she's crying, and she goes, no matter how many times I shower, she goes, I never feel clean. And my wife, who always has the right thing to say, says, there's blood for that. So the first night, we sleep on this air mattress in the living room with my sister. She's going through her first night of withdrawals. We're praying, we're worshiping, we're thanking God, and we're praising. Y'all with me? We're praising God. And the first night, I, you know, me being who I am, I go up to her. I'm like, you're, you're going to be a woman of God. You are a woman of God. You're going to preach to the world. The devil should have killed you when he had the chance. I'm just going at it, you know. Overwhelming her. but So the first, that first night, she doesn't tell us. She has one more drug she hid that she didn't tell us about. It was a shroom. So she thinks that if I take the shroom, it's going to help me detox from the fentanyl. No, it does not. So all of a sudden, I don't know what time it was. Maybe 1, 2 in the morning. I'm awakened on the air mattress. Brian, Brian, wake up. I'm going to go, what, what? She goes, what, what if I don't want to preach? <laughs> I go, go to bed. I don't care if you don't want to preach. Like, I'm sleeping. That's what you woke me up for. And then she goes, no, no, no. She goes, I, I have to tell you, I, I, I took something. I go, what did you take? She goes, I, I, I took a shoe. She goes, I, I take me to the hospital. So we rushed her to the hospital. And I remember sitting there at 3 a.m. Watching my sister shake, and the only thing that I could do was praise. 3 a.m. in the hot, there's nothing I can do. Praying for her, praising God as much as I can, and over the next days, we would watch her withdraw even more. And it was on the third day that my sister was feeling really weak. She hadn't eaten in days. The drug was her food. She comes up to me, she goes, "I can't do it. I, 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 I want the drug. I want the drug. I want the drug." I said, "No, you don't want the drug." I said, "You see your face? That's what that drug did. You see what's happened? That's what that drug did. So you don't want the drugs, Zalia. Your body does. Say that. Say, my body wants it." She goes, "My body wants it. My body wants it." And all of a sudden, my wife comes out, and she says, "Hey, I have something that is more powerful. Than any drug you've ever taken. My sister goes, What is it? She pulls out a communion cup. My sister's like, It was our last one in the house. She goes, You're gonna take this right now because what this represents has the power to break that off of you. In the kitchen, my sister opens up this communion and she takes the body. She takes the blood. And we praise God in that kitchen. The next day, she's battling shame and condemnation. So what do we do? We grab oil. I know some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Especially the younger ones. I grew up with a Pentecostal grandma. They put oil on everything. I don't even know if it's real anointing oil. It's probably Crisco. Because they're on a budget. We grab the oil... on her forehead we anoint her and we praise I tell her hey there's one more thing I want you to do I said listen when you're feeling weak there's a song that I want you to put on could you play that song this is the song I gave her keep playing that my sister she would be in her room you can cut it she'd be in her room on the floor, because she would not sleep on the bed for some reason. And she would say, put that song on again. Put it on. Put it on for me. And i grab my iPad. Put it on. Put it on. And that song would help restore her relationship back to God. See, in those days we read, those five days we read Psalms 23 over and over and over again. We read Psalms 91 over and over and over again. We praise, and on the fifth day, she started to eat again. On the fifth day, she started smiling again. I remember she comes out of the room and she has makeup on. And I'm like, You look so beautiful. She goes, I know. Her bruising started to go down, and in those five days of praise, she would say yes to a year in rehab, and yes to her relationship back with God. Listen, this is why praise cannot be optional in your life. No, it's easy to do it now. It's easy to shout now, but this is why it cannot be optional. It cannot be restricted to Dallas. Praise is one of your greatest weapons. Praise is what the, I mean, the apostle praised in prison and not just his door open, but the door of all the other inmates flung wide open. And may we be hit this morning with the grace and hunger of spiritual curiosity of what is on the other side of praise. What would happen this morning if you would praise like you've never praised before? What would happen Boredom is the greatest tragedy of our Christianity. That we just become complacent. We were created to respond to the presence of God. You know that, right? How many of you have ever been in a room and other people are jumping and something in you is like, I just want to do that. So bad. Just just give me that shofar. (laughs) You want, right? You don't even know how to blow it. There's something in you. I always say that Upper Room has made certain things in praise cool again. You guys brought back the flags. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) You all brought back the shofars. Upper Room is a place in which you can come. and It's not weird to give it all for God. But I don't believe it's just here. I believe Upper Room is a prototype. And what, how we praise God outwardly, do you know, is how we feel about him inwardly. Come on. You better preach. Come on. Can you come to the next service? <laughs> if he's boring to you, he'll be boring outwardly. If he's angry to you, you'll express him in anger. If he's distant, you'll express him as distant. But if he's beautiful, you'll express him through praise. You know, one of the greatest revelations that was given about Jesus on the throne took God, taking a man, isolating him, and gave him a revelation of what was happening in heaven. And after this man gets the hearts of the church right in the book of Revelations, he paints a picture of the culture of praise that is in heaven. I don't know if you know that, but there's actually a praise culture in heaven and what it looks like. Maybe you've heard of it, flashes of lightning. Pearls of thunder, four living creatures, elders, casting down their crown. You know why they throw their crowns? Because in heaven, you can't give God your mess. You can only give him your success. Do you know that there is a certain fragrance of praise that you could only produce on this side of eternity? Do you know that? Do you know why when you worship, you grab the attention of God even more than angels? Because an angel has never known sin. An angel has never known temptation. An angel has never known exhaustion. An angel has never not been on his way to church and you know someone cuts you off and you almost lost your salvation, but you're here. You know? An angel has never experienced humanity. You have. You know what it's like to be tempted. You know what it's like to fail yesterday but show up on Sunday by faith that God's going to touch you. You know what it's like. This is why when you worship and praise, you produce a different fragrance to God that not even angels can. And if heaven is our final destination, then we should pay a little bit more attention to the culture of praise. That is in heaven. Praise is a very intimacy that holds your entire walk with God for the rest of your life. But how do we create this? We build a foundation and we're gonna do it this morning. From now heading into to Gen Z for Jesus in September. And I want you to know whether you praise this morning or not, a rock will. God's not sitting there insecure in heaven, like, why, why don't they praise me? You know, God doesn't need your praise, He has it continually. You know who needs it? You do. But I want to show you this morning that praise is biblical. It's not hype, and it's not for just certain denominations or streams. It's not just for charismatics. Praise is amazing because it doesn't matter your Enneagram or your personality. It's not an upper room thing. It's a kingdom thing. Again, it doesn't matter if you're conservative, charismatic, automatic, doesn't matter what you are. You can praise. I think there's hundreds of upper room women that are gone this weekend, right? So I guess the men are going to have to step it up a little bit. You're not going to be able to depend on your wife to lift her hands. You might have to lift yours this morning. So we're going to look at the Bible. Can I have the band come up right now? We're going to look at the Bible for a moment. We're going to find where praise is in the Old Testament. And what I'm believing is that what starts here this morning, what started last night, would carry all the way to September. You know, I love what Pastor Michael said about Gen Z. He said, this is a moment where they're coming to the table. And most of you have read that Bible verse, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And some of you grew up in churches thinking that means God's going to give you a Cadillac and then let all your enemies see it. That's not what that means. God's going to bless me with a nice house so my enemies could feast at their failure. No. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And I love what Miller said. He says this. He says, the enemies of this generation is suicide. It's depression. It's anxiety. And at the table of the Lord, God will deal with the enemies of this generation. There was a testimony that came from Gen Z of a girl. We had, over th- we had almost 300 testimonies that came in written. One of the girls who had come to the gathering, she had wrote a suicide note. She said, I'm going to this Gen Z event, and when I'm back, I'm going to kill myself. She bought a bouquet of flowers that were not blossomed. She said, I'm leaving them out of the water. They will not blossom, and this will be the sign to my life that I'm to kill myself. She didn't know that she was showing up not to an event, but to a table. She must not have got the memo that a house and a company of people that are contending morning, noon, and night were showing up to that arena. This girl ends up getting saved, baptized, delivered. She goes home, and the flowers had bloomed. She is still alive today. So this morning, here's what we're gonna do. Can you turn my mic up just a little bit? No spectators this morning. Maybe this morning you need to praise. Or maybe you need to praise for someone that can't. But we're gonna break this down. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read seven types of praise that are in the Old Testament and we're gonna do them this morning. If you're a visitor, I'm sorry you came this morning. Not sorry. The first praise word that I'm gonna give you is a word called yada. Say yada. Yada. I'm from California, I'm from the Bay Area. I grew up in the hyphy movement. I know I'm in Texas, y'all know what I'm talking about. We go stupid, dumb, and hyphy, ghost ride the whip 18 dummy. You have no idea what I'm saying. Yada is not from yada. I mean yada is a word used in the old testament praising God by extending your hands. So if you've ever been in a church and they say, lift your hands, and you're like, well, I just don't feel the Lord is leading me. He led you in the Old Testament. I had a guy come up to me one time. He said, thank you. He said, I've been in church for 40 years. And today was the first day I lifted my hands. Will you stand to your feet? Now the worst description of lifting your hands in praise is probably what most of us heard when we were growing up. Worshiping God and lifting your hands is like, it's like a cop that just has a gun to you and he says, surrender. That's the worst example, that's terrifying. That is not yada. Yada is where you are willfully expressing praise with the extension of your hand. Would you all just yada the Lord this morning, really quick, all over the room. Come on, lift your voice for 10 seconds, and yada the Lord with your praise. Where is that in the Bible? 2 Chronicles 20, 21. Give thanks, yada to the Lord. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Psalm 63, verse 4. So I will bless thee all as long as I live. And I will, yada, I will lift up my hands to thy name. Sit down. We're not done. We got six more. And they're only going to get crazier. This is key. You have to get this. I'm sorry if you grew up thinking that extending your hands of worship was radical. It's not radical, it's just Biblical. It's very normal. It's not hype. Don't you think that God knew that there was expressions and postures of our body that when we would yield ourselves to them, we would encounter Him a little bit differently? next one is a word called halal say halal. halal this next word is amazing okay and this is what it means to be clear to praise to shine to boast to show to celebrate and i'm out of peace of this definition of what celebrating is to be clamorously foolish how many of have ever been in worship and there's always that one guy And you've judged him he's just too crazy He's just too crazy he just hasn't gone through real trials yet you know what happens is when we see people whose praise is stronger than ours we try to justify thinking they just have no no no, no. it's because they've gone through much they praise like that if you've ever seen bailey She's a worship leader with one voice. Crazy hair, jumping all over. She'll be here tonight, jumping all over the stage. Why does she worship like that? She was a product of a one-night stand. She didn't know her father most of her life. Why does she worship like that? It's authentically the way she gives praise to God. Psalms 113, verse 1. Praise, halah ye the Lord. Praise, halah, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise, halah, the name of the Lord. Psalms 150, verse 1. Praise, halah, the Lord. Praise, halah, God in his sanctuary. Praise, halah, him in his mighty expanse. Let me give you this next one. Let them halah his name in dance. Let them sing praises. David, listen, David wasn't writing this for a small group of people in church giving you permission to look as crazy as you would stand to your feet I remember when I got saved my mom is in the front row she might remember this maybe she doesn't but there would be times I would be worshiping in my room and she would walk in to tell me to take out the trash I would tell her to get out because I felt embarrassed but in that room when that door was closed I was jumping I was kicking, I was spinning, I looked absolutely crazy. For the next 20 to 30 seconds, I want to give you permission, hold on, to halah the Lord, to celebrate the goodness of God with no restraints. One, two, three. just a little bit for me shabak. this is what it means to shout to address in a loud tone. you ever been in church and they say lift up your voice that's not charismatic it's called shabak. there is something that happens I was reading once that they say when predators surround a lion that's wounded If the lion has no roar, they kill it. But if the lion has a roar, then they know there's still a fight. Could you stand to your feet? Psalms 47 verse one. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout, hold on. Shout Shabbat to God with a voice of triumph. Come on, lift your voices. Lift your voices. Stay standing. Count of three. We're going to Shabbok the Lord. You ready? Let me read one verse before this. Psalms 145 verse 4. Gen Z for Jesus. I believe this is the verse for that day. One generation shall pray, shall Shabbok thy works to another and declare thy mighty acts. If you were a mother or a father, now is not the time to stay silent of the works of God. On the count of three, will you just lift your hands all over the place? You're going to give the loudest Shabbat, the holy roar to God you've ever given. One, two, three. one is gonna be really good for some of you that grew up in the south it's called Samar, and Samar is where we get the expression of praise with musical instruments see drums in church is not demonic having electric guitars is not demonic it's not conforming what's the difference between the heart of david and the guitar that he holds this has the ability to be amplified 10 times that heart. It's the same concept a different generation. Zamar means this, to pluck the strings of an instrument. To pluck the strings of an instrument. To pluck the strings of an instrument. Hold on. To sing and to praise. To sing and to praise. Here's what we're going to do stand to your feet Psalms 21 verse 13 be exalted O the Lord in thy own strength so we will sing and we will summore thy power Psalms 57 verse 9 awake my glory awake heart and leer I will awaken the dawn I will give thanks to thee O Lord among the people I will sing praises some more to thee among the nations will you lift your hands all over the place Thirty seconds. Will you guys samar the Lord right now with your instruments? Come on, come on, samar the Lord with your instruments. Lift up your voices. I said this last night, I want to say this, if you don't think that musical instruments are key to worshiping God, you got to know that music moves the heart of people to believe things they would never believe prior to the music. How many of have ever known someone that was listening to Tupac and they thought they were a gangster? You're not a gangster, bro. You live in Plano, you know? You wear a polo shirt, just chill, right? But music causes you to believe something different. This is why when the song's about drugs, sex, gangs, your mindset starts going to that place. But when it's exalting God on high, your mind starts going to that place. The next one, say toda, Say toda. Now if I'm saying these maybe a slight off, don't come and rebuke me with your large Bible. i doing my best here. Hispanic or not Jewish okay Todah is a word for praise that is translated to where you give God thanks but it goes a little bit more not just for things He's done but for things you know He will have you ever met those grandmas how's your grandson oh he's coming he's coming where's he at right now oh he's in prison but he's gonna get saved you ever meet those wives where's your husband oh he's he's coming he's coming he's at home on that couch but he's coming there there are certain cultures that have adapted that a little bit more than others but i want to give you permission in this moment to praise god With the shabak roar but what you're going to roar is you're going to begin to thank him for things he hasn't done thank him for the cancer he hasn't healed thank him for the people he hasn't saved yet there's a difference it's one thing to thank god coming up my wife and i we we laugh all the time because she's she does a whole lot more than i do i'm like i don't know honey and i don't know if it's going to work out and then it works out. i'm like i told you it would work out you know Lift your hands all over this place. On the count of three, you're going to todah the Lord. You're going to break out in praise for the things you've not yet seen, and you're going to celebrate those as though they are. One, two, three. The next one is a word for praise called Barack and not Obama. Barack means to kneel down. If you are physically able to in this room, would you just kneel for a few moments? Just where you're at, would you just begin to praise God from this posture on the count of three. Just begin to praise Him from this place. Of being kneeled, knowing that He is the one that sits on the throne, not you, not your problems, not your anxiety, not your fears. He is the one. One, two, three, just praise Him on your knees. You know at the end of your life I highly doubt your biggest regret will be man I just I praised a little too much I just wish I would have held back a little bit while you still have strength in your legs while you still have breath in your lungs some of you should have been dead already some of you should have died in that overdose in that car crash some of you should have got life in prison some of you should not be here. What if we praise this next part like that? Praise is not just for certain people that get saved, and then it dies down over the years. The next word I want to give is Tahila. Say Tahila, not Tequila. Some of you got excited. No, Tahila. Say it, Tahila. The singing of hymns, spiritual praise, a new and unrehearsed song. You know when Pastor Michael gets up and he says, just sing to the Lord. That's not them being disorganized and they didn't rehearse, it's called Tahila. It's where you're not singing songs on a screen, you're singing songs from your heart. And why Tahila is so powerful is it multiplies the worship times 500 you're not just singing one song you're singing 500 songs it multiplies praise in a moment how many of you shower singers here raise your hand can we move this pulpit out the way how many of you shower singers here raise your hand how many of you know you sing off key you weren't allowed on the worship team there's healing for you this morning i'm just kidding Guess what? You are all allowed on the worship team this morning. This next part, though, we got a few more moments together. Would you, if you want, if you actually want to just, man, I want to go. Would you just get out your seat, find an empty spot somewhere if you want? You don't have to, but I felt like this next moment's going to break, and I'd hate for someone to get smacked in their face. We're gonna take to, to of the Lord. We're gonna sing an unrehearsed song. I don't want you to sing a song you've sung before. I don't want you to sing us uh, an upper room, a, a hill song, or whatever song. You're gonna sing whatever's on your heart, and I want you to lead us on these drums. Okay, we're gonna go right now in an unrehearsed song. Lift your hands all over this place before they start singing. Would you just begin to lift up your own song right now in this room? Come on, lift up your song. Lift up your song in this room. Lift up your song. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice.
1: feel unclean do you feel afraid there's blood for that do you feel addicted or suicidal there's blood for that there's blood for that oh are you waiting hoping for change for new things to come and dead things to raise there's blood for that there's blood for that
0: Try this It's liberating Try it
1: There's blood Blood for for that. that There's blood for that To raise. There's blood for that, there's blood for that, there's blood for that, there's blood for that, there's blood for that. Blood for Let that. me
0: explain for a moment what they're singing. This isn't a vampire fest. We're talking about the blood that washed away our sins. Maybe this morning you've walked in, and like my sister, you found God, but you fell away. My sister found herself at her lowest place, but in her addiction, shaking from her choices. I feel like someone in this room, you were told your choices is where you're at. His blood is better than your choices. His blood pays the price for your choices. Everyone in this room has made stupid choices. Would you agree? If you're in this room this morning and you would say man I'm like your sister I have fallen away from God but I want to come to him again I want to I want him to take me back in his arms do me a favor where you're at I just wanted to give this call maybe there's one two I don't know but if that's you you're saying I want to give my life if God could do it for that girl on that couch he can do it for me this morning would you lift up your hand If you want to come back to God right now, just lift up your hand. Come on. Come on. Would you guys take a step back for me? Come on. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. If you want to come back to Jesus, will you make your way right here, right now? Come. Come. Run. Run. Come to the front. Anybody. Anybody. Anybody in this room this morning, you want to give your life to Jesus. You stepped away, you've fallen, there is blood for you this morning. Come on, anybody else, anybody else? Anybody else, anybody else? Don't leave this room, come on. Come on, come on.
2: this sense of salvation this morning I, I, I just you can't leave this room without really seeing him and knowing him and if you haven't seen him and if you, ha- if you don't know him he wants to reveal himself to you he's not angry he's so kind he's so tender he's so full of mercy and if you haven't met that Jesus you haven't met him You haven't seen him. So can we just get honest? Yeah? I love Zalia. She got so honest. She didn't care. She just knew she needed a savior. She needed someone to rip her out of her addictions. So if that's you, and you're saying, I haven't seen him, and I want to see him, can you just lift your hand bravely and boldly? Trust me, you won't regret it. If you want Jesus, and all that he is, and all his kindness, and all his joy, and all his mercy, and all his forgiveness, just lift your hand. Lift. There you go. We see you. We see you. Can you come to the front? Can you guys make a way for those who have their hands lifted? Just come to the front.
0: What I loved about my sister's story is nowhere in that five days did she felt shame or condemnation. She told us everything. And she was met by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to wait ten more seconds. If there's anybody else you want to just come up here. You want to make your life right with God. Come here. Ten more seconds, five more seconds. We're going to pray this morning. I want you to know something there's nothing magical about the prayer but you're giving God an invitation into your heart it's kind of like when a couple makes vows the vows are not for the wedding they're for the marriage you know what I love about covenant is covenant is not for the strong it's for the weak why do you make covenant with God it's because God binds himself to you for moments you want to quit he says I'm not going nowhere I'm here Will you pray this with us this morning? If you've come up here to give your life to Jesus, would you pray this? And then we're going to jump in for two minutes on this song you were singing. When I say amen, here's what we're going to do. The Bible says that heaven rejoices when a sinner repents. So when we say amen, you're going to go back into that song and we're going to have the greatest dance party of celebration this morning. Can we do that? All right, let's pray this this morning. Let's pray this this morning. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my past, my present, my future. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me white as snow. I believe you died on that cross, and you rose three days later. With my mouth, I now confess Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Say, Holy Spirit. Fill me in Jesus' name. You ready? In Jesus' name. Amen.